0: Hello, entrepreneurs and small business owners. In in the production of every issue of Up and to the Right, every episode of this live stream, I talk about proven principles or proven business principles. And something just feels right about that for me when I say it. But I was asked recently by a colleague what a proven business principle was. And I'm embarrassed to say, I was uncomfortably tongue-tied by the question. So, it's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. I'm Stephen Krause, and this is Up and to the Right, the no-nonsense podcast and live stream where we blend your passions with proven business principles and practical action. This isn't about buzzwords <clears throat> or short-term trends. This is about taking those proven business principles and applying them in ways that, it, that uh, create unique solutions for you, your business and your customers. This whole idea came to me when I was talking to someone and they asked me what, what what is an example of a business principle? And I didn't have a good, a good answer for them. And, and as I said in the, in the beginning, it makes sense to me. I mean, and, and I kind of, the question was perfectly reasonable. But, but the whole idea of not being able to answer it was very uncomfortable for me. So I I, I looked at that, said, all right, well, what does that mean in terms of business for uh, small business owners? And how do I, you know, part of this was a, a self-exploration and how do I uh, articulate the the value that Beyond 50% brings to customers in a way that's meaningful? And I felt like that was something that, um, I needed to be able to say, so what does it mean? What is a business principle and how do we figure out what those are and how they apply to our business? And when I, so what did I do? The first thing I did was I started searching. So what is a, a, a business principle? And you know, if you type in business principle in a search engine, Uh, I got like 368 million hits. Of course I did not review them all, but even the top page of, of results from that search were, uh, enlightening in a lot of ways because they weren't, um, most of them didn't strike me as what, what a principle was. And so I felt like there was something, you know, I, I, it, it was like, I know it if I see it, but I don't know how to define it. So I went to the definition of a principle and uh, which I wrote down in my other notes. Let's see if I can pull that up real quick. Um, so uh, the, a principle is according to Merriam Webster is a comprehensive and fundamental law, doctrine or assumption. And uh, so, so that helped me. I said, okay this this thing, whatever it is, it has to be fundamental. And it has to uh, be universal. So it has to cr- it has to be something that that creates a foundation, but it also has to be something that applies across a spectrum. And so it needed to be something that was applying to all business and fundamental to those businesses. You need to be able to do these things in order to move on. And so, so why, so you might be thinking to yourself, why does this matter? Who, who cares if there's a, 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 a principle or, you know, the alternative is a tactic, something that you do that's very specific. What, what difference does it make if it's a tactic or a principle, if it adds value to your business? And they're, they're both, they can both be beneficial, but I do think it's important to understand what the foundational elements are. You know, what things do we really have to have a handle on to make sure that we understand our business or what, uh, is going on in, in or how to build our business. So the words matter and, uh, they matter because we attach importance to words. The word principle has connotations, even if you can't necessarily spout the definition, as I couldn't, but I understood in my heart what it meant. And and that's why I knew how it felt when I did the intro. But I couldn't articulate it specifically to somebody when I was asked. But we know those meanings. They're They're built into the language that we use in our day-to-day lives. And whether we might not appreciate having go- vocabulary assignments in early school or even later school, they do have value because it teaches us what words mean. And so we use those words to associate value with something. In marketing, we twist that, And we use words to assign, to assign value, not to associate value that's already there, but to assign value that isn't necessarily there to something. And, uh, now that, you know, in maybe in, uh, ethical marketing or whatever, we don't do that, but, but it's common and, and we can use, I think we get away with it sometimes when, we use words in a hyperbolic way. When we say something is a principle, like one of the things that was an example, um, build a great team. That's a super good idea if you need employees. So it's not a principle because it's not universally applicable, but it was listed as a principle to give it value, to concretize the, the status of that statement as something important instead of simply saying these are important things you can do the author of this particular blog post or or article said oh these are principles because it feels better it feels loftier and more important but the words matter and the principles of business need to be identified because we need to be able to put the appropriate amount of attention to the things that are foundational. So I went on this internet search and then I thought about it for myself and, and I did eventually come up with six things that I feel like are absolutely fundamentally important to business and universal that all businesses that want to have longevity and, and, uh, do good work are going to need to address these six things. There may be more and, and we can, you know, we can certainly add to the list, but I think these are the first six that, um, people can work on and getting a handle on them will give you a good idea of what you need to work on in your business. So just listing them out real quickly. Um, there's vision planning communication value, cash, and profit. And those things, so you can see that none of those things is necessarily a tactic. It's not something that you do. It's not an action that you take. It's, um, but, but I, as, as a practical person, as an action-oriented person, I don't want them to be these 30,000-foot concepts that don't provide value. So, so we need to find some structure around them that allows us to take action to promote or enhance that fundamental within our business. So what's the first thing that I talked about? It's vision. And, you know, there's, there's this, there's the vision that, that we, we, we see in the common me or the, the, the media uh, where it's, the C level people in the company go to a retreat and they come up with these great words that they hang up in the lobby and that nobody reads or understands. And, uh, you know, it's almost memeified that in terms of the, the, the pointlessness of that kind of vision statement or mission statement. And I'm not saying that mission statements are, are bad. I'm saying that they're commonly misused and, and, and commonly they are, something that isn't integrated into the core of the company. Really? It might be something we want to integrate into the core of the company or something we would like the core of the company to mean, but that doesn't necessarily reflect what's really happening in a business. And so for, for me, I wanted to kind of pull that, pull it together and say, uh, It's more about understanding your place as an organization in the social and economic environment today and into the future beyond what you can reliably see. So if you have, if you keep too short of focus, your focus can be on the product that you sell because the product is relevant in the next five years, but your vision should be relevant 15 years into the future and the products that you sell may have nothing to do with that mission in 15 years because the products you sell may be completely obsolete in 15 years or 10 years or whatever that time frame is. So, so it's really about how you fit, how your business fits into the culture that you're in both socially and economically in the future beyond where you can plan, you know, today as well, but it has to be something that you can say, um, for example, beyond 50%, I want to help small business owners. I want to help them today and I want to help them 15 years from now. That's a vision because it applies to something that is as far as we can tell, there will be small businesses in 15 years and there certainly are some now and my hope is that i can help them so that's a vision it's not specific it's not a plan it's just where i want to fit as a business in this place in in our society and in our in, in the economy so planning this is an interesting one because i feel like planning planning can be very action oriented which is good for people like me who want to be doing stuff so you can gravitate very quickly to this concept of planning. But we have to be careful. Planning is a trap. It's a trap because we can plan and plan and plan and not actually do anything. And I did an episode about uh, about planning a number of months ago. Um, I don't know the the number of it, but maybe I'll put the number in the show notes. And, and the episode is called Plancrastination. Um, but the, the idea is that small business owners are faced with a certain level of constraints we, our labor ours or uh, our coworkers, working in cap working capital number of hours in a day the the pool of expertise we have access to the equipment that we have all of these things provide a boundary a scope of um, constraints around our business and if we plan beyond the ability of those resources to to, uh, take action, to complete, to be successful, then honestly, it's a waste of time. If you get to that, so, so back up just one bit, we want to plan to the end of our visible horizon. And, and that horizon is the constraint of our resources. And then we want to stop. And I'm not talking about not ever thinking past the two-year plan or the one-year plan or the six months that I can really see. I'm saying you don't plan detail around something you can't put resources toward. So you say, okay, in 10 years, I want to own a building or three years, I want to own a building. It might be okay for a fortune 500 company to assign a bunch of resources to putting that together on a 10-year time frame. but most small business owners can't do that. We don't have time and we don't have money. That's, it's as simple as that. So if we say 10 years from now, I want a building. We need to put that in a bucket of 10 years. And you go back to last week's show and put it in the right stage of your business, under the right revision of your business and say, all right, I'm going to put that to bed or maybe not to bed, but I'm going to put that aside because I can't act on it right now. So there's no point in detailed planning around it. So we want to plan to the visible horizon and then we want to stop so that we can take action on the things that we really can do. All right. So the next thing that I want to talk about is communication. And this is, we, we have to be able to communicate effectively, both internally to our team, to our uh, maybe external colleagues or counting legal. If you don't have those, you know, working directly in house, there's still really internal uh, communications. We need to be able to communicate internally effectively. We also need to be able to communicate externally effectively. And that is where your disciplines like marketing, uh, advertising, public uh, relations, all of those things are built into that external communication. And if we go back to the internal communication, what do we have? Human resources, leadership, management, all of those skills hinge on the effectiveness of your communication. How well can you deliver the message, your idea, uh, uh, or the, the, the things, the action items that need to be completed in order for you to execute your vision in this current time frame or ex- execute the plan in this current time frame? So that's, we need to be able to understand, and, and there are so many ways we communicate and we don't always associate them with each other or with the mission. And we're seeing a lot of that right now. If you're watching or participating in a lot of Zoom, Zoom meetings or WebEx meetings or, or uh, Skype or whatever virtual meeting space you're using, um, a lot of people aren't connecting that experience with their mission because they, they're not familiar with the tool. And that's okay, and I, I've done an episode on this as well, it's okay in the short term because there's some buffer, but video is here to stay, and understanding how it fits into the mission or into our communication is important. And the same thing goes with, with uh, the explosion of social media. How does that fit uh, into our brand? And so communication becomes this huge tool. Does anybody really care about what I ate for breakfast in terms of beyond 50%? No. So my Instagram feed does not include random pieces of my life. Um, And part of that is because I don't believe it's part, uh, it's something that is going to be valuable to my audience. But the other thing is, you know, I'm not going to lie. That's not something I'm going to do anyway, because social media is not a recreation for me. It's a, it's a communication tool for business. Uh, but it, it all matters. And it, and, and there could be, there could be, if you're a lifestyle personality or something like that, where, where your audience has a different relationship with you, then, then you have a whole different set of constraints or, or, uh, uh rules about what social media is appropriate and what's not. And that's okay. It's business dependent, right? So, but we have to understand how all of these tools, and then we go back to you know regular email, and what are your email? How how does your email speak to your company's message? You know, I have specific things that I I like to have in an email. Uh, if it's the first email of the day, always put a salutation. If it's an, and if it's the first email of the day, always in uh, have. Uh, your signature in it. Now I leave my signature in all my email, but you don't, I, the first and last one I think need to have them. Or, I mean the first, the first interaction in the day should always have that, that stuff involved. Um, and I always like to include some kind of gratitude and some kind of, um, you know, uh, introduction or some, some kind of, uh, I don't want to say personal, but something human, in the email before I get to business because by nature, I just want to get the problem solved. That's, that's just me. I want to get in there, deal with whatever's got to get dealt with, but, but we're always dealing with people and we need to understand that as we communicate. Well, so how you communicate in email and Instagram and video all needs to contribute to your message. So that becomes very fundamental how you do that. And the better you do it, uh, that's not going to be very good grammar. It's not going to be good communication. The better you communicate, the stronger that foundation in your, that portion of the foundation in your business will be. And so that's going to be something that I think is really important as well. So next we have value. And this one, uh, well we want to create value for others okay that's the bottom line um you hear the the term value proposition the buzzword um i don't i don't I, I think that at this point that phrase is overused and has become very cliche um to the point where it doesn't really have good meaning in the broader in in broader language um th- another phrase that you'll hear is what problem does your your product or service solve, um, that one's okay. Uh, I think there's an implication there that a product or service has to be practical. And there's, there are a lot of very practical products and services, but there are also lifestyle and recreational, uh, products and services that are valuable to their customers. And I think the problem statement sort of, uh, belittles, the recreational and lifestyle products and services a little bit. So I think we need to be careful about that. But, but the idea is the same and, or the, the idea is it kind of maybe a a combination of those two things. How is solving that problem valuable in improving the lives of your customers? And so, we're going to take a broader definition of problem here. Instead of saying it's a, a problem like my leg is broken and I need to go to the hospital. We're going to take a problem as in a, either an unmet need in somebody's life or a legitimate problem like a broken leg. So, so, um, even a want, you know, there's, there's probably no need for, uh, Uh, recreational, a specific recreational activity. But there is need for recreation. So how does your product or service solve that problem? and And how is that solution valuable in improving the lives of your customers? And I think if we take that approach, and it's specific like that for a reason, because it isn't about... Um, just having a better widget, the better mousetrap, you know, build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to your door. Nothing that was ever said in history is less true than that statement. That could be a podcast episode on its own. Maybe we'll do that, but not today. Um, but how does solving that problem add value to your customer to improve their lives? So we want to be able to create value. That's part of what our business needs to do. So the next thing we need to do is we need to be able to manage cash. And in the, in the, in the general economy, it's about cash, but really what it's about, if you break it down a little bit further, it's about understanding trans transactional economics, because you could be in a system of barter and you would still have to deal with the in and out of transactional value, whether you were using currency or something else. How does money, and we're going to continue to use the analogy of cash at this point, because most people will be using cash. How how do you get cash in? When do you get cash in? How is that process managed? What happens? To storage. In currency, are you storing it in a bank? Or are you storing it in a safe? Are you storing it under your mattress? What is the storage mechanism for your cash? And then how does it go out of your business? Is it automated? Do you have automated payments? Um, for small businesses, I think honestly, we have to take a long and careful look at automated payments. They're very convenient but you give up control of your cash. Now, if it's a small payment, maybe it's a mobile phone bill or something like that, it's a few hundred dollars and you and it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, then it simplifies your life. But if it is a significant part of your expenses or you run a pretty thin uh, cash business, you might need to be careful about that and it's worth looking at. So how does cash go out of your business. So that's a huge one. How do you manage cash? Businesses will go out of business out of business because of cash flow. When the rest of their business is fine, people love their product. Their product has high margins. They understand how, how to deal with customer service. They're great at communicating. They're great leaders. They have, um, you know, they're adding value. All of those things can be set. And if you don't understand cash, you can go out of business. So the last one is the, this topic of profit and and profit as a, a business principle, uh, might strike some people as a little bit odd, but I think it really is important. And I'm not talking about as much possible profit as possible. And I'm not talking about money necessarily. Nonprofits, <laughs> ironically can't profit financially but that doesn't mean that there isn't a place for this concept of profit in every organization, uh, including a nonprofit enterprise. Profit is not about the money. It might be about the money, but it is not by definition about the money. Profit from my perspective is being able to draw value to grow, benefit and give. So you need profit, so that you can grow your business and really we could add one other thing here operate right we still have to have cash in to operate our business just as a status quo Um, then we want to benefit there's no point in, in owning a business if there is no benefit to you it's a lot of work so if we can't benefit from that in some way there's no value to us So we want to operate, grow our businesses. We want to benefit from owning a business and then we want to be able to give. And there's a few things there that matter. Giving being simply the delivery of a quality product or service. That's a give. Now it's not a gift because you're getting back for it. Someone's paying you, but it's still a give. It's still an offering to the marketplace then there's the giving of charity. If you have enough money coming in and you do well enough and you have the opportunity to give back, that is part of profit. It is being able to say, I have accumulated this, uh, through delivering a good quality product or service. And I want to share that with things that are important to me. Um, and, and so there's this, uh, uh, I, I think the concept of profit needs to be looked at, not just in terms of finance, but in terms of operating and growing the business, benefiting the, the business owner, of course, and giving. So, uh, let's talk briefly. People are going to be saying, well, what about egregious profit or profiteering? Uh, and There is a a place for that question. I think it's very hard for us to answer that question. So how do you say, how much is enough? How do you, who knows? Who knows how much is enough? I don't know. People can assign how much is, how much is enough, but generally speaking, People who assign that value are assigning it based on their own perspective and their own circumstances. And, and you know, we have this uh, these CEOs, and we we look at them, and they're being compensated, uh, you know, ten million dollars a year or something. Um, and how much is enough? That's a, it's an easy question to ask when you, you make $55,000 a year, how it's possible to excuse, uh, a board of directors offering $10 million a year to somebody to do a job. And, uh, I don't have the answer to that question, but what I can tell you is that the, the CEOs of large companies, that are able to leverage the resources of that company one or 2% better than the next person in line will gain the company far more than their compensation. So as a, not as a moral question, but from a business perspective, paying someone 10 million to create a hundred million dollars worth of value in that same year by, by, coordinating the efforts of, of an organization so that they do a hundred million dollars better, that is an easy business question to answer. Heck yes, I'll do it every time, if they can make that work. Now, the moral question's a different one and I'm not gonna, gonna try and enter into that discussion, but I, can, I just wanted to say that, that you know, when it comes to the business question, of whether or not these people are worth 10 million dollars or whatever in terms of their salary, there's, if they can do the job, they're, it's, it's a, from a business perspective, it's an easy question to answer. So uh, you know, as, as we think about how much is enough, though, the way I look at it is the less choice your customer has then the more you need to be sensitive to the level of profit that you make and the way to think about this is for a luxury item let's say you like watches and you want a tag how watch or or a rolex i honestly don't care how much you charge for that absolutely don't care and i don't care how much people pay for them all right because i can get a timex at Walmart or Target or something and and it's going to be 50 bucks or 20 bucks and so so if i need a watch i have a lot of options so i don't care how much profit they make at tag hour more power to them if they create a watch that is so compelling to people who value that that they're willing to spend $5000 on a watch that's great Okay. Same thing with Rolex, same thing with any product. And, and so, so, uh, you know, I'm still waiting for the Audi, uh, electric sedan. And that's something that I would be very interested in, but there are Priuses and Volts. So I have options. So if they want to make a ton of profit on that, I might not buy one, but that's my choice. And I have it. I have the choice. So luxury items, things that people can, can easily choose between an economical version and the luxury version, then profit all you want. In, and this is, this, like I said, this is the way I look at it. But things that we have less choice about, food and medicine, that's a different thing because we have to have food we have to have medicine or in our culture, we assume that we have to have medicine. So we're going to run with that for now. It's a debate for maybe a different podcast, um, a different show probably altogether. Um, so things that are not luxury items, things that are subsistence items, that's something we have to be much more careful about making a profit. And, and this I'm recording this still, we're still in the, the, uh, COVID-19 we're sort of trying to ease out of our lockdown or whatever, but the um, you know, there was a early on, there were some people who, who uh, bought a whole bunch of N95 masks and, and uh, no, I think it was actually, I think it was hand sanitizer. And they, so they hoarded a bunch of hand sanitizer and made news uh, negatively for doing this because they were going to turn around and sell it at an extreme profit. Okay. So profiteering in that kind of way, excuse me, is, you know, I think as a culture, we were outraged and we should have been, I think there's a moral question involved there. You don't do that. That's not right. Um, so the, I think that, for, like I said, the less choice your customer has, the more you need to be sensitive to the profit that you're making. That does not mean that you don't deserve to make a profit you don't deserve to benefit from your business you absolutely have to you just have to be sensitive to your position in the economy and i think that's what uh where we have to draw that line and that line is going to be gray and or, or it's not going to be black and white it's going to be it's going to be kind of wide and fuzzy because there's, there, uh, there's a lot of moral ground there that you have to cover when you start talking about how much is too much or, you know, what, what industries are okay to make obscene profits in, or, or what do you have to keep thin profits in? And, and you'll see that grocery stores make very thin profits. And so they have to move a lot of product to stay solvent. So, um, uh, so let's go back and say, all right, what are the six principles of small business, vision, planning, communication, value, cash, and profit. And if you, if you take those six things and you start to say, uh, we're going to, we're going to get into the practical part of this now is how do you take those six things? And how do you, how do you use this, this 36 minutes of your life and improve your business? We're going to, the first thing to do is write them down, although they will be in the show notes. So we'll get to that in a second, but write them down and think about how you apply each of those in your business. And again, I'm not talking about writing a a vision statement and putting it on a thing in your lobby, on a sign in your lobby. I'm talking about what identifying and understanding your vision for your business identify and understand what is your planning horizon? How far can your resources take you before there's no point in planning anymore? Is it a month? Is it a year? Is it five years? What does that look like to you? How do you understand cash? Do you understand it well enough? Do you understand, uh, what the, what the value of your product is to your customer and, and breaking it down even further, How does the value of your product uh, or what is the value of solving that problem in improving your customer's life? Um, How, how do you communicate? What is your communication tools? Are they consistent? Are they, are they being used effectively? You know, I do a show on Fridays um, called casual Friday on Facebook live. And it's basically the same content as this show, but Um, I have colleagues that won't touch Facebook because they don't think Facebook is valuable for business to business and they may be right. So I'm trying this show and we'll see what happens. I've done a, you know, six or seven episodes and we'll see, but you know, is the communication tool you're using valuable for your business and how do you know, have you done any tests? Have you tried it? Um, so, you know, put all of those things into perspective write it down and see what makes sense. And then I think it's important to create some intention about how you're going to handle those things. Um, and then use the right tactics, the action things to get those things done. So I thought about this a little bit and I said, all right, for the next six weeks I'm going to take each of these principles and we're going to do a show and we're going to drill down into that specific episode or that specific principle and try to get much more practical about each one. Um, the next one's going to be vision. That'll be next week. Uh, I think it's the 21st today. So yeah. So the 28th next week, we'll be talking about vision. And we're not going to be taking the thirty-thousand-foot view. I'm going to be talking about how do you get down and dirty and really understand what is your vision for your business, where do you fit into the culture now, where do you where do you expect to fit into the culture in 15 years, and then we'll go through each of the other uh, principles as you know as the weeks progress with the same approach of really digging into how do we create value for our business out of those and how do we give our business a solid foundation based on these fundamentals, based on these principles of business. All right, so, uh, if there are any questions or comments, please, if you're watching on YouTube, please leave them in the comments section. If you are, even if you're watching after the show, I do monitor the content, the the contents, the comments on the YouTube videos, and I respond to them. Uh, If you are interested in in getting some help fixing a specific issue that you found within your business or in implementing or creating a new uh, value-added portion of your business, uh, give us a call at Beyond 50%. Go to beyond50percent.com for more information about how we consult with businesses to help do those things. Um, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast live stream, I'm still wrapping my head around, not calling it a podcast all the time. If you've enjoyed this live stream, please share it, like it, subscribe to the beyond 50% YouTube channel, uh, and hit that bell. So, you know, every time that we go live, uh, or when we've uploaded new content, we do have some new programs coming out in the next couple of months. Um, hopefully sooner than that, but things to to tend, to, tend to happen a little bit slower than I would like. Um, so it'll probably be a couple months before we start releasing those. Um, but we are looking forward to, the, to having that stuff out there and you'll be notified when those release with the bell. Um, aside from, from that, I'd like to thank you for watching today. It's time for me to get back to work.